tonight we're going to talk about uh, dealing with burnout. Dealing, dealing, dealing with the, the, the time and the place where you get to the point that, that you're just done. You are just done. Even to the point that you just, you just say, I, I quit. I, I cannot go on any further. That's what we're going to talk about. Say, so, preacher, I, I don't feel that. I, I'm, I'm good. Well, you better be careful because that day may come. You never know. Don't ever think, don't ever think that you are beyond getting to the place where you want to quit. Because we all have potential. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let's look. First Kings chapter number 19. And I'm doing something kind of scary. I'll be honest with you. Uh, uh, most of the time, if I'm preaching out, I've done, I've done broke it out on my own people. And, 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 and by doing that, if it bombs, I can throw it away. But if it don't, I can fly with it. Amen. Uh, so, and they got to keep me. Amen. I, I'm, I'm on contract with them. So they got to keep me, uh, and, and I can do whatever, but I, 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 I do, I do want to do a good job tonight. I, I, I'm really, I'm telling you, I really, I really think this is God's word. I was so tempted to go back to something. I was more uh, uh, comfortable with, and I, I was more—I had more in my mind. But but God wouldn't let me. So I, somebody here needs to hear what we got to say. I'm going to be as brief as I can. I want to share the story of Elijah, just kind of, kind of a way of introduction first, and then and then take and glean something from what happened in his life. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. amen. First Kings chapter number nineteen, and verse number one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, when Elijah saw the threat, he arose and went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. That's a bad mistake. A bad mistake. One of, the, one, of the most, one of the most natural things that we do when we get discouraged, when we get depressed, when we get down, the first thing we want to do is get alone. And that is not good. That is not good. Uh, I, I understand this. I've been there. I, I've experienced that. But that is not a good thing to do. The Bible says he left his servant there. He got by himself. In verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, say it with me, It is, it's enough. I can't take it. It's enough. I don't have any more to offer. I can't handle any more. I'm through. I'm done. I quit. It's enough. It's enough. He said, Lord, just take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. It is enough. Just let me die. I'm not better than my father's. Lord, I pray tonight, please use this word to encourage us and help us. Or there's so many times, there's so many times we get down and we get discouraged, not because we're out in sin, not because we're, uh, Lord, doing wicked and evil things. It's because we're doing a pile of good things. Lord, sometimes we get, we get run down and sometimes we get so hectic and so busy doing good stuff that we, we get to the place where we're just done. We're just burnt out. And God, I pray that you'll help us and let this story speak to our hearts, I pray. Lord, I need your anointing right now. Please, please, please help me. Help me to share your word in such a way that it's very clear and understandable so we can leave here and say we got some help. And God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's, 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 let's begin this deal by talking about the, the chapters before uh, so that we can understand chapter number 19. 
uh, Elijah, how, how many of y'all grew up in church? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You grew up in church. How many of y'all, like, for, from, from a little bitty child, you grew up in church, like, that had Sunday school and children's church and VBS and all that kind of stuff? And, and how many of y'all, when you were growing up in Sunday school and in church, you, 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 you read and you studied and you were taught about the prophet Elijah? I, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I grew up a preacher's kid, so I, I, I've been in church my whole entire born days, amen? Every day of my life, I, I just, that's what I am, that's my life, that's all I ever knew. And I, and I went and I heard and I, I saw these stories and I had a tendency, I had a tendency to look at the Bible characters as supernatural beings. I mean, I would look at I would look at Elijah, and I would look at John Baptist, and I, I I would look at David. Like like these were people who were just I mean I mean they were really like superheroes. They were they had supernatural strength, and they were just way up here. They were not like regular people, and because of that, sometimes you look at that and think that that they have power that you don't, or they have ability that you don't, and and they're not normal people. Well, I think James understood that in the New Testament. James understood that sometimes we may think that. And so he wrote about Elijah in the book of, in the book of James. This is what James said. James said this, in Alabama talk, he put his britches on just like you do. James was a man of like passions as we are. In other words, he was a prophet. He probably was one of the number one prophets in all of the Old Testament. One of the, one of the most key figures in the Old Testament. John Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah in the New Testament. He was the man. But James said he was just a man. He was just a man. He was a man like you and me. He was human like you and me. He was frail like you and me. He had issues like you and me. Yes, he did powerful things. Yes, he had the hand of God on him. Yes, he was very powerful and mighty indeed in doing the things of God. But he was still a man. He was still human. He was still frail. He was still weak. Listen, he was just like you and me. So what's the big deal? Well, let's look at the story. We see, we, see, we see Elijah just comes out of nowhere. The nation is wicked as hell itself. There are issues that he's dealing with. He steps on the scene seemingly out of nowhere. He puts his finger in the king's face. A king that would just as soon kill you as look at you. A king that is wicked and had even a more wicked wife. And he says, listen, you're wicked, what you're doing, you're wrong in the way you've led this nation, and by my word, it's not going to rain. I mean, this is a man of God. He had a backbone like a saw log. Say amen. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the brook Cherith. I want you to go to the brook Cherith, and I'm going to feed you there. There. Well, that's an inconvenient place. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to hang out in the woods by myself. Say amen. The only thing that you got to talk to is a raven that brings your food morning and night. I don't know. I, that's one of the things. I went, how many of y'all have ever done dove hunting? Tyler, where are you at? Tyler, uh, uh, did, did you ever, anybody do dove hunting in here? Raise your hand. Boy, we need more rednecks in this church. I'm going to tell you that right now. They said, preacher, do you want to do, let's go to a dove shoot. And I said, man, I'm in. I thought this, any kind of hunting, I'm, I'm for. And this is what they said. Here's, here's, here's your, your box of shells. Go out in the middle of that field and sit there. I said, by myself? I'm not going to have nobody to talk to. I'm going to sit here in all this hot sun. All... No, no, uh-uh. I want somebody to talk to, amen? I, 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 I shot two boxes of shells and killed one bird. And the only reason I killed that one, it flew in, and I stood up, it spooked us so about, it went back fluttering, and he was like in a coma right there, amen? I want to talk to somebody. But here we have Elijah. He's out in the middle of the wilderness, alone, an inconvenient place. Here he is, here he is, the man of God. It seems like his ministry is just beginning. He's stepping on the scene. I mean, he has got a national ministry, and all of a sudden, he leaves the national ministry to go be in the wilderness by himself. An inconvenient place. But then he's dealing with, he's dealing with an idolatrous politician. A wicked, wicked man. Then he deals with indecisive people. You want to frustrate a pastor? Be indecisive. We see they have a contest. Y'all know the story. I'm not going to use up all the time to, to tell the story. Uh, Elijah comes to Ahab and says, okay, it's not rain. Uh, we, we, we have animals dying. We have all this stuff going on. Let's have a contest. How many of y'all know? You've been, raise your hand again. You've been in church. You should know this story. 
They have a contest on Mount Carmel. They go up here and say, you get all the prophets of Baal. You get all the prophets of Baal, and then I'm going to stand, and listen, and I, we're, going to, we're going to have a contest. We're going to put a sacrifice out there. We're going to call on our gods, and whoever answers by fire, that is the one true God. And, and before this takes place, he looks at all the people. Elijah looks at all the people, and he said, if the Lord be God, then follow him. If Baal be God, then follow him. Now watch what the response was. They answered him not a word. Now that's, that's having revival. Are y'all with me? No word, no indecisive. They would not choose. They would not decide. They were so wishy-washy. Can you imagine the frustration? These were God's people. These were not Midianites. These were not Philistines. These were, these were not the Moabites. These were God's people. These were the same people who God brought out of Egypt. This was the same people who God fed with manna. This is the same group of people who God had done miraculous things and built a kingdom like no other. And they would not answer in the word. He's frustrated. Dealing with inconvenient places. Idolatrous politicians. Indecisive people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Immoral preachers. Frustrated. These, these so-called prophets who were leading God's people astray. And Elijah standing for the one true God. We know the story. We know the story. They have the contest. The prophets of Baal failed. He, listen, he calls on God. They, they, they call fire down. God sends fire down from heaven. The people say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Man, it's an awesome scene, an awesome experience. They took the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, took them down and, and made a non-profit organization out of them. Say amen. <laughs> killed all of them. For those who don't know the story, they killed them. Amen. Every one of them. He's so excited. I mean, think about all this he's been through. He's been, he's been at the pinnacle of his ministry, speaking in the palace to down in the wilderness alone, hanging out with a widow, doing all of these things. And now he's standing alone, alone for God. Let me tell you something. And this would be to the preachers in the house. It's a very lonely feeling when you think you're the only one that can bring the rain. Here I am standing. Here I am standing and no one will stand with me. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that you can leave a church packed with people and feel like the loneliest man in the world. It's, it's amazing how, how you can be, you can it seem like you're on such a high but experience such a low. We see, we see the, the revival takes place that is supposed to take place. He tells, he tells Ahab, get on back to the palace. The rain is coming. The rain, and, and the rain did come. He prayed again and the rain fell. But this is what happened. If you read the chapter, if you read the chapter, according to the Bible, it says the hand of the Lord was upon him and he ran all the way back to the palace before Ahab. Now think about that. The dude is outrunning a chariot. He had a supernatural ability. The hand of God was on him. And he ran all the way from Mount Carmel all the way to the palace. I don't know if you ran. I can run to that door and I'm tired. Say amen. So here he is. He has this emotional high. He's jacked up like no other time. I mean, this is just an incredible, incredible emotional experience. And now he runs physically. He physically runs all the way back to the palace, expecting there to be a national revival. Expecting Ahab to stand and say, let me tell you what God did on Mount Carmel. We're going to turn this thing around. We're going to do what God says to do. And, and, and he's really expecting. Now, let, let's talk about God, not necessarily Ahab. Elijah is expecting God to operate in a certain way. And when he got there, when he got there, he got a threat from Jezebel. And he ran for his life. He went from the highest emotional high 
to the lowest emotional low. And all in a span of time. He's so tired. He's so fatigued. How many of y'all know? How many? I, just a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> just a couple weeks ago, we had a, we had a, it depends on how old you are, what we had. If, if, if you were a young person, we had a concert. <clears throat> now, now, if you were an older person, if you were my age or older, you went to a singing. Y'all with me? Not a singing, a singing. Do y'all spell that up here in Ohio? S-A-N-G-I-N-G, amen? Well, we had one of them. We had, and it was a good one, I'm telling you. I, I, actually, the first two or three songs I, I couldn't really get into. Uh, I have this policy, if I don't understand what he's saying, it's hard. You know, I, I just, the kids enjoyed it. They loved it and everything. Well, then, then, then they went into some songs, and, and, and it was just incredible. I started weeping. I'm talking about squalling. I was just, God had touched my heart because I'd been through some stuff. I mean, I just, I, 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 I'd been going through some, some, some junk, the devil fighting because God's doing some of the greatest things Temple's ever seen. And, and, and how many of y'all know the devil be right behind what God's doing? And, and so here the devil's pile driving me and beating on me and I'm, I'm, I'm just, just, just frustrated. And then, and then, and boy, they start singing about God won't leave you there and God knows what he's doing. Just, oh, my soul, I started weeping and I, I cried from that point, from that song all the way through the rest of the concert. Well, the next day, this is Saturday, the next day I had to get up and preach. I didn't have energy to preach the first service, much less the second service. I mean, I was emotionally drained. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you go through an emotional experience that's just crazy, it, it drains you physically. What I'm trying to do is get you to understand what Elijah's going through. He's a man. He's human. You say, oh, but he's a prophet. But look what, look what happens. He's tired. He's emotionally drained. He thought God was going to go left and God turned right on him. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like what Peter felt. Peter's in the garden. He swore allegiance to Jesus. He said, everybody else can run out on you. We're not go- I'm not going nowhere. He even took his sword to defend the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all know the story? The servants came in to arrest Jesus, and, and Peter took out his sword and tried to cut the head off of the, the servant, cut his ear off. Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, and puts it back on his head. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I was in soldiers, I'd have left that dude alone. Say amen. amen. He turns around to Peter and chews Peter out. Man, I just risked my life for you. Peter, put your sword up. You don't even understand what's going on. Put your sword up. The only man to, to risk his life to defend the Savior gets chewed out. And it was at that point. Y'all know the story. Y'all know what happened just a little few moments later. They asked Peter, Are you, you're one of them. What did, what did Peter say? I know not the man. You know what? I believe he's being honest. I thought I knew him. I thought he was going to be king. I thought we were supposed to rule and reign with him. I thought he was our savior. He was our Messiah. And he just gave himself up. I thought he was the king. I I thought he was, listen, he calmed the storm. He raised the dead. How in the world could he give himself up to these soldiers? Who is he? How many of y'all have been in your life sometimes when you thought God was going to do something and he didn't. Or something happened and you thought, how in the world could God let that happen? God, we just had revival on the mountain. God, you just sent fire. This is all going to make sense in just a minute, by the way. You just sent fire down from heaven. And now this crazy woman wants to kill me. What's going on? This doesn't even make sense. And he's so broken. And he's so, let's just use the word burned out. He's so done. He wants to die. I'm talking about Elijah. 
I'm talking about Elijah, who'd done so much. The one who Elisha wanted a double portion of. He says, I just want to die. I'm done. Preacher, what are some signs? What are some signs of being burnt out? Look what it says in verse number four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Watch what he says. Lord, take my life away. Watch what he says. For I am not better than my father's. What's the sign, What's the sign of burnout? Well, I think one, number one, is a devaluing of oneself. When you begin to devalue yourself, what's he saying? I'm no good. I'm worthless. I'm not important. I'm not significant. When you start seeing your own life as something that's insignificant, you're either in the burnout or you're fixing, listen, you're fixing to go into it. Now, why do we begin, why do we begin to devalue our own self? I think it comes from comparing ourselves with others. What did he say? I'm not, I'm not as good as the fathers. He begins to compare his life with those that came before him. And he starts saying, I'm nothing. You may tell you a very dangerous thing to do in the ministry or in any, any area of your life. Start comparing yourself with somebody else. Start comparing your ministry with somebody else's ministry. Start comparing your, your marriage with somebody else's or your children with somebody else's. And you start doing that, you're headed for trouble. Because those ministries that you're comparing yours to, you don't know what's really going on in them things. Oh, I wish my marriage was like so-and-so over there. No, you don't. I've had people say that in our church, and I'm thinking, you don't know. You don't know. They have been in my office. They may look like, listen, they may look like Ken and Barbie at church, but they Bonnie and Clyde at home. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to other things. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Listen, a sign of burnout is we begin to devalue ourselves. We, we say things like I'm worthless or I'm nobody or, or, or this. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. What else do we do? We not only devalue ourselves, but we underrate our work. We underrate our work. Look what he says in verse 10. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. What is it? What's he saying? I've been working hard. I've been working hard. But watch what they do. I've been working as hard as I could go. I've been preaching as hard as I could go. I've been teaching as hard as I can go. I've been leading the best way I know how. But watch what they do. The children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thine altars and slain the prophets with a sword. In other words, he's saying, I, what I'm doing is no good. What, my, what the work in the, in the ministry I've been trying to accomplish, I've been working hard, and it's, worth, it's not working. Look what's happening to the people. I'm teaching, but they're not listening. I'm preaching, but they're not following. I'm doing everything I know. Y'all with me? You want me to tell you what causes us to devalue our work? When we try to control people. It wasn't his job. It wasn't his job to make them do anything. It was his job to preach the truth. But let me tell you something, as easy preaching and hard living. It's hard. It's hard to get up and have a sermon series on service and involvement and have, and have sign-up tables in the back and preach your heart out and preach your guts out and study for months and months and months to try to motivate your people to get involved and serve and volunteer and do everything you can. Have the sign-ups and you're expecting, man, there's going to be a mass revival of involvement in the house of God. And they run past the tables like, listen, uh, a, a sprinter. Say amen. I almost said Bruce Jenner, but I'm not going to use that one. Amen. I'm, we're going to leave that one out. Amen. I don't know why that come to my mind. Amen. Help us, Jesus. You know how frustrating that is? But you want me to tell you, you me tell you what we've got to figure out as pastors and ministers? You can't control nobody. And God doesn't expect you to control people. And when you try to control people, guess what you're doing? You're trying to be God. Oh, you're talking to preachers. How about you parents with your children? 
Can't they be frustrated? Man, it's quiet in here. Y'all used to amen me a lot when I'd come. Y'all don't like me no more? It's close to home, isn't it? We can teach our kids. We can invest in our kids. We can do everything in the world for our kids. But guess what? They still have a mind of their own. You know what my job is? To train up a child in the way he should go. And whatever he does with that is between him and God. (laughs) Moving right along. He said, man, I'm doing the best I know how. But they, they will not do right, God. They will not. Okay, number three. Number three, when we, when we get burnt out, we will devalue ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll underrate our work. Then we'll, this is a big one, we'll exaggerate our problems. Look what he says in verse number 10. When he got through saying what they were all doing, they're, they're breaking down your covenants, they're breaking down your altars, they're killing the prophets. Watch what he says. And I, even I only, I only am left. And they're trying to kill me too. Now, do you know what? We know that's not true. Because we know in the rest of the chapter, God says, I, I still got people that are serving me. But how many of y'all know when you get burnt out, you see things differently? There was a, there was a, uh, <laughs> there is a time in life that when we get to a certain point, no matter what it is, it still looks bad. When we get burnt out, when we get frustrated, when we get fatigued, it doesn't matter what it is, it still looks bad. Sometimes in marriages and relationships, I, I, I have couples sitting in front of me in, in the office and, and I'm looking at their situation and it's not as critical. I, I mean, I'm thinking, man, this is doable. We can fix this. It's not that big a deal. And both of them sitting in there think it's the end of the world. You know Why? Because when we get burnt out and we get fatigued and we get wore out with it, one of the worst things we can do is we overemphasize our problems. And we look at things that's not reality. The worst thing we can do, the worst thing we can do that happens, verse 4, he says, take my life away. I am done. It is enough. One of the worst things we can do, one of the worst signs of burnout is when we abdicate our dreams. When we abdicate our, when we give up on our dreams. Preacher, what are you talking about? If you go back several chapters before, Elijah had a dream of turning the nation around. Elijah had a dream of, of, of changing the, 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 the atmosphere and the culture of the whole nation. He had a dream of a nation coming back to God. And it, and it began to see, it, it sounded like and it looked like, and there was a great impression that the nation was going to turn around on Mount Carmel. Man, they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And now, here we are in this situation. We're running for our life. We're hiding. And, and, and I just give up. Let me ask you a question. Have you given up on a dream that God's put in your heart? Have you allowed the devil to convince you that what God has put in your heart can't be done anymore? Has there been a dream that you've, you've given up in your heart about your family, about your children, about your ministry, about your life, about the relationships, about your job, about your employment, about your career, about your destiny? Is there something that you've given up on and you've quit simply because you're burnt out? Not because it's reality, not because it's true, but because you're so tired and so fatigued, you can't see it happening. One of the greatest advices I've ever gotten in my whole life is never doubt God in the dark what he's told you in the light. You say, preacher, that sounds horrible. I've got all them symptoms. So what do we do? What do we do? This whole weekend's been about balance, but what, what happens when we're, 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 we're way gone and we're at the place? Preacher, I don't even care about balance anymore. 
Preacher, I don't even care what happens anymore. I've done giving up. I've done thrown in the towel. Well, let me tell you what we need to do. Let me give you four quick things, real quick. Maybe three. We'll give you something, amen. <laughs> number one, number one. I told you this is a new one. I don't know how many's up there, amen. Number one. This is the first thing that, that happened. The Bible says that Elijah found him a juniper tree. He curled up under that juniper tree. What did he do? He went to sleep. Preacher, what do we need to do when we get burnt out? Well, number one, the first thing we need to do is we need to rest our body. You say, that's not spiritual. You ever took a nap? That is heavenly. Say amen. You know, I've always wondered, as a little kid, man, we hated taking naps and we hated all that kind of stuff. And I look back now and I'm thinking, what was we thinking? Amen. Rest. Rest. You don't have no Bible for that? Okay. Okay. Mark 6, 31. The disciples are working like crazy. Jesus has sent them out. Man, they are just working. They are serving to the point, according to the scripture, they didn't even have time to eat. They didn't even have time to get lunch. Now, you know you're busy when you ain't got time to eat. Say amen. Watch what Jesus says. Mark 6, 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and... Oh, no, no. Some of y'all critics out there, y'all don't think I had a verse. Come on, get with me now. What'd he say? What'd he say? Come apart into a desert place and... and rest. See, that's Bible. That's Bible. Well, the devil don't take no vacation. Well, he's not a human being neither. Guess what Jesus did while he was here? He rested. You know why? Because according to the Bible, he got weary. And he knows you need to rest. Well, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. It's America. This is the home of the brave, the land of the free. Say amen. You can do whatever you want to do. Well, I just, now, wait a minute. Now, how many of us know if we really want to do something, we figure out a way to do it? So don't even come to me with that. We can do it if we want to. I talk with preachers all the time. We think we're indispensable. We think we can do everything. We think we're bulletproof. We think we've got, we can run, 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 and nothing ever happened to us. Well, that's a lie. Because I've preached enough pastors' funerals to know that's a lie. One pastor friend of mine one pastor friend of mine in Coleman, he's in heaven now. Listen, he had heart issues, heart trouble. He went, he went to the, he went to, I don't know why I'm preaching to y'all. I'm just preaching to y'all all night. Amen. Y'all need this apparently. Amen. He went to the pharmacist to get his blood pressure medicine. He's having heart issues. And the, and the druggist at the, at the pharmacy said, preacher, I got to know something. Why is almost all the preachers in Coleman on heart pills? Well, he snickered and laughed at that and thought, if you only do, amen. But guess what? Guess what? You're responsible for you. You're responsible for you. You have to decide to take control and charge of your life because if you don't, everyone else will. How many of y'all know that everybody else has got a good plan for your life? you got to take and say, hey, stop. Stop. And let me challenge you, church. Let me challenge you, church. I may never get to come back, but I'm going to just get it all out right now. <clears throat> if he won't slow down, you slow him down. Plug your ears just a minute. <clears throat> Listen, do you understand he's your greatest resource? Well, I, he's his own man. Yeah, what are you going to do if he falls over? He won't take vacation. I bet he will. Make him. Listen, sometimes you've you, you got to rest. 
It's nothing, it's nothing super spiritual about this. Sometimes it's not a Bible verse you need to quote. Sometimes you need to get your pillow, get your blankie, and turn on the air conditioner and go to sleep. Rest. Rest. I know this is hard. God knows. I, I come from a background where you don't take a break. You don't slow down. You're the pastor. You, you are. And, and you know what? My, my father right now is on every kind of medication in the world because it just about killed him because he would not heed this verse. You know what he did? He slept. He didn't get a sermon. He didn't get counseling in the beginning. We get to that. But the first thing that God did and let him do was nothing but rest. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So what's number one? When we get burnt out and we get in that place, we want to quit and we want to give up. What do we need to do? We need to rest. We need to rest. Number two, we need not only rest our body, but verse number nine and ten teaches us we need to release our frustrations. We need to release our frustrations. What does that mean? Tell God all about it. Tell God all about it. It's okay. He knows what you're thinking anyway. He understands. You're not going to shock him. He's not going to get all tore out of the frame because you tell him how you really feel. Tell him. You know why I think God put most of the Psalms in the Bible? So you could see a man that was releasing his frustrations. Let me read this. Let me read this. Psalms 2.1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Psalms 10.1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Psalms 42.9 and 10. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Psalms 55.6. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove and I would fly away and be at rest. How about the words on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What am I saying? I'm saying this. Be honest with God. If you're broken, say you're broken. If you're hurting, say you're hurting. You may tell you what's wrong with most Baptists today is they're too fake. They won't be real. They've got a home face and they got a church face, and God is saying it's time to pull off the mask and just be real. Tell him how you feel. Tell him if you're hurting. Listen, that is that is that is the pop-off valve on the water heater. If you don't release that, if you don't share that, if you don't get that off of you, you will explode. He challenged him. He challenged him. He said, son, what are you doing here? Let me tell you what I'm doing. They're all crazy people. I've been working hard. I've been serving you. And he has. He was telling the truth. I've been doing all of this stuff and nobody. I'm the only one. He he never chewed him out. He never slapped him around. Guess what he did? He just let him get it off his chest. In the beginning, he let him vent release how, how many of y'all know that sounds like a good idea <laughs> one day I was I was riding down the road <clears throat> and uh I, I I I just got to temple I just got to temple and I, I, I was pastoring in at Long Branch Baptist Church. I know it's a funny name. Long Branch Baptist Church. And that's where Matt Dillon went to church. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Long Branch Baptist Church in South Carolina. And it, was, it seemed like God was just blowing it up, man. I mean, everything worked. Everything worked. All the songs we did worked. All the messages worked. People getting saved like crazy and all. And, and, and God called me away from that. And, 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 and so here I am over in Coleman, Alabama. <clears throat> Seemingly a better situation, a, 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 a better liberty to do what I felt like, excuse me, God wanted us to do. And, and everything seemed better. And everything we tried seemed to fall flat. 
preaching the same messages, singing the same songs, everything. I mean, we were were trying so hard, and it seemed like the harder we tried, the worse things got. And one day I was riding down the road, and and, and, and to preface this, that, that particular Sunday... We had, I was teaching in, in Sunday school on the book of Daniel. And, and we was like in verse chapter number six or seven. And I don't know if you've ever studied Daniel, but if you come in on chapter six, you lost. Say amen. And, and we had a family, a new family came in uh, to Sunday school, a, a, a woman and her son and daughter. And, 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 and she came into the Sunday school class. And man, I was like a shark with blood in the water. You know, I'm like, oh my goodness, we got a first. This is so great. This is wonderful. After the class was over, I still to this day don't know how in the world that this worked. I don't know why she didn't run out of the building screaming. But I went to her. I said, ma'am, I'll come to your house and catch you up in the first few chapters if you'll come back. Just like that. And she says, okay. I'm like, man, this is great. This is awesome. So here I am going to their house. And this was, this was to the point. How many of y'all know you can be all excited and jacked up on Sunday and come Monday, you feel like you want to quit everything? It can be that extreme. If you've ever been in the ministry, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm excited on Sunday. We've got these first-time attendants. And then, and then so here I am going to their house, and I'm, now I'm back aggravated because it seems like stuff is just not working right. And I'm driving down the road, and all I can think about is what happened in Carolina and how it worked in Carolina and how the people got saved in Carolina and how everything. And I was just so frustrated, and, 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 and God knows how we feel. God knows what we think. And this is what I said. I, this, I mean, it was just exactly like this. I said, God, would, would you just save somebody? I mean, I was so frustrated. I wasn't being irreverent. I was just being honest. I said, God, I know, I'm doing all I know to do. I'm doing everything I did over there. Would you just say somebody? And, and I just kept driving. And I get to their house. I get to their house. And, and when I walk in the door, they had about 10 chairs set up in a circle with one chair right in the middle. And I saw that and I thought, what was I thinking? They had all the rest of their family came and sat in them chairs and just looked at me right in the middle. And I'm sitting in the middle chair. And so I teach what I had in the book of Daniel in the beginning. And, and I thought, well, I'm already here. We got Wednesday night tomorrow night. I might as well hit them up for tomorrow night. I said, hey, on, on Wednesday night, I've been teaching a series on the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin and draw you to the Savior. And, and I mean, I'm right in the middle of my speech. And, and, and the young man, the son, he went like this. And I'm thought, that's rude. Interrupt my speech. What's wrong? With-? Hey, I said, son, you got a question? He said, yeah. He said, can I get saved right now? Just like that. I'm not exaggerating that a bit. It was just that matter of fact. And frank. He said, can I get saved right now? And I thought, what? <laughs> right now. You want to get saved right now? Yeah, I want to get saved right now. Well, I guess you can. Hey, man, we can handle that. We get down, and I kneel down, and, and, and he prays and asks God to save him. And, and Chip, <clears throat> Chip Bell was sitting right beside him. And, uh, and, and, and Chip, uh, uh, this, they wasn't in church. They just come for this study. Well, God says, ask him. And I thought, Lord, let's don't push it. Amen. We got one. Amen. Because I, I, I was still nervous, and God says, ask him. So I said, Chip, what, what, what do you think about what he did? He, I said, I said what, 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 is your, what is your background? He said, you really want to know? I said, yeah, I do. He said, I used to be a Catholic altar boy. And he begins to cry. He begins to cry. And he said, I, I never understood anything. And I, don't, I, and, and I was able to share the gospel with him. And we got down and he prayed and asked God to save him. His wife, Amanda, was sitting right beside him. And God said, ask her. I said, no problem. I'm, I'm ready now. Amen. She gets saved. All three of them get saved. Now, we're way up into the night now. It's late by now. And I'm, I'm headed home. I mean, I'm running off the road killing ants and everything. I'm so excited. I'm like, man, this is great. And God got in the car. He said, you remember what you, because I done forgot what I said on the way there. He said, you remember what you asked me? Yes, sir. He said, you, you do your thing. 
and I'll do my thing. They brought more family that Wednesday night. They made it public. More got saved that Wednesday night. And from that time on, it's been incredible. Chip and Amanda, Chip and Amanda serve and in, 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 uh, actually Chip is more in the jail, the youth jail ministry. He goes to the, to the youth jails in Birmingham every single Sunday and preaches the gospel every single Sunday. But you know what God did? He let me vent. He let me just be honest. He let me, he let me share what I really felt. Some of us need to just release some frustrations to God and come to this altar and call out on him and tell him how you really feel. And say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Because sometimes when we hold stuff in, we become bitter. And when we become bitter, we get angry at God because it didn't turn out like we thought it would turn out. How many of y'all know bitterness? Bitterness is like a poison that will eat from the inside out. We release our frustrations. We rest our body. Then number three, I want you to see this. And I'm done. I, 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 I'm almost done. This is over. Right here. Right here. Watch this. Look what it says. <clears throat> Verse number 11. Verse number 11. He let, him, he let him get everything off his chest. And he said, God tells him, said, okay, son, here's what, I, here's what I want you to do. Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, after the fire, what? A, a still small voice. What do we need to do? We need to refocus on God. We need to refocus on God. You say, what, you say, what was that all about? I think this, this is what I think in this deal. I think that when Elijah got back to the palace, he was expecting God to bring fire again. But how many of y'all know just because he brought fire on the mountain don't mean he's going to bring fire in the palace? What does that mean? Just because God works a certain way in this area doesn't mean he's going to work that way in this area. You see, but because he didn't do in the palace what he did on the mountain, Elijah got all wigged out over it. And what he was showing Elijah, he said, son, it don't always have to be fire. It don't always have to be wind. It doesn't have to be the earthquake. It doesn't have to be these things that you think it is. He said, sometimes, son, I, I, I'll move in just a still, small voice. What can we take from that? Just because you're not seeing the lightning or hearing the thunder doesn't mean God's not at work in your situation. And just because God doesn't move when you think he should, just because God's time is not your time, just because you get the message to God that your brother is sick and he waits two more days, are y'all with me? Why? Why was, why was God trying to get Elijah to refocus on him? Because the whole time, Elijah was trying to be God. He was trying to be God in the lives of the people. He was trying to be God in the situation. He was trying to manage his own life. And what God was trying to do is get his eyes off himself. Get his eyes off of his ability. Because he kept saying, I, 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 I. And God's saying, it's not about you, you, you. It's about me, me, me. And you need to understand something. I can do it when nobody else can. And boy, when we get down, when we get stressed out, when we get fatigued, we need to refocus our eyes not on our talent, not on our ability, not on our strength, and not on our energy, but on the power of God in our life because it's not us that's getting it done, it's Him. Get your eyes on Him. Get your eyes on Him. Then lastly, I, I said we're over. Watch this. This is so important. This is so important. What do we say? We have to rest. We have to release. We have to, re listen, we got to restore and look back. 
But then we have to resume. Preacher, what are you saying? We got to get back to work. What did he do? He said, I want to quit. I want to die. It's enough. It's over with. He said, oh, no, it's not. He said, I, as a matter of fact, I got some partners for you. Y'all with me? Let me read. Let me read. Let me read. Look what it says. Look what it says. In verse number, <clears throat> verse number 15, verse number 15. And the Lord said unto him, go return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of uh, uh, whatever that word is right there, amen. Shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, and it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Preacher, what are you saying? God gave him a posse. Say amen. Now watch, 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 watch. This is it. This is the last illustration. Do you remember what I said? Do you remember what I said was the very worst thing you can do when you're going through discouragement, depression, burnout, or anything like that? You remember what I said? Don't get alone. He left his servant there and got alone. Watch this. How many of y'all know when Elisha started following Elijah that there came a time when Elisha said, Give me a double portion of the spirit that's upon you. Y'all remember that? Do you remember what the stipulation was that God made in order for him to get the double portion? Y'all remember? He said, okay. Okay, if that's what you want, this is what's got to happen. You got to be with me when I check out of here. Y'all not getting it. In order to get the double portion, you got to be with me. You know what God says? I'm going to make sure you don't ever get alone again. So he made the stipulation that in order for Elisha to get the double portion, he could never leave Elijah. Why? Because God knew Elijah needed support. And he never needed to get alone again. And guess what? God made sure from that point on, Elijah was never alone again till God came and took him home. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Let's get back. We got stuff to do. Just, listen, you may just need to take a break. Maybe, maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you need to rest your body. Maybe you, need to, maybe you need to slow down some. Maybe you need to learn how to say no. Maybe you need to take some things off of your day planner. Maybe you've got way too many things in your schedule you need to cut back on. Maybe, maybe you need to just cut loose and let go and say, God, I just got to be straight with you. God, I got to be honest with you about how I feel and what I'm going through. Maybe you need to get your eyes off of your situation and your circumstances and get them back on God getting back on God and understand God doesn't operate the same way all the time and then let's get back doing what God's called us to do God doesn't bring you out of burnout to check out are y'all with me he restores so you can resume 